1: Then Nathan said, David, thou art the man. It's you. So why was David so eager to mete out excessive judgment? Because we're always harshest with sin in others that also lurks within our own hearts. You ever been with somebody that's always pointing out a certain sin in other people? Why do you think they have such a preoccupation with that particular sin? It's because that's what they themselves are dealing with. What great insight. And
0: another visit from Pastor Leighton Sheely as he continues his study in the Sermon on the Mount. You'll be in Chapter 7 today talking about judgment. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno at highlands.us.
1: So followers of Christ should be discerning and yet not judgmental in their attitudes towards others. And Jesus provides the first principle of judgment, which is that judgment begins with ourself. And there are several reasons for this he provides in verses 1 through 5. The first reason is found in the first verse. And that reason is that we shall be judged. Now the tense of the word in the original language signifies a once and for all final judgment, as in the kind of judgment we're going to face when we face God. God is going to judge us. You know, we have a special place with God being children of God, but that doesn't give us license to replace God. Those who judge in this manner will find themselves judged by God. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, Jesus said God will have mercy on the merciful. In chapter 6, he says God will forgive those who forgive. It makes sense, and it follows that in chapter 7, he says that God will condemn those who condemn. So first, we shall be judged verse 1. Verse 2 gives us a second reason, and that is we are being judged. A parallel passage in Luke chapter 6 clarifies this, that not only will God judge us in the end, but people are judging us now. And we receive back from people what we give. If we are judgmental towards people, they will be judgmental towards us. Have you noticed that critical judgmental people tend to attract each other? They get together, they compare their notes about the failures of others, this makes them happy. And then they start criticizing each other, that makes them unhappy. And then they separate and find someone else to share their criticisms of others with, and the cycle continues. The fact is that if someone is sharing with you criticisms of another, that person will be sharing with others their criticisms of you. The person who is out looking for specks in the eyes of other people is never really truly satisfied until they can talk about it. Most churches that are filled with judgmental people usually don't grow very large because the people in them can only tolerate each other so long and nor are such churches really effective for the kingdom. I know of a story of a pastor who thought he was doing God's work by being judgmental, went away on vacation, came back, found out he'd been fired by his judgmental congregation. <laughs> so second, we, we're being judged. And the third reason is found in verses 3 and following, and that is that we must see clearly in order to help others. The purpose of self-judgment is to prepare us to serve others. Christians are obligated to serve each other. And when we fail to fix things in our own life, well, the results are rather humorously described by Jesus. Jesus. He said, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And this metaphor probably came from Jesus' background as the son of a carpenter. And the words speck and plank refer to wood, one being a small, the other being a large, and, and so forth. But, you know, one of the reasons that Jesus was so popular and that he attracted such large crowds was that he had a wonderful sense of humor. But that humor is lost upon us 2,000 years later on the other side of the globe in a suburban environment, not an agrarian environment. But I'll bet you that the audience that heard Jesus preach this was laughing themselves silly that day. Because that audience had not had their imaginations dulled with thousands of hours of television. And Jesus painted pictures with words. And when those people painted the picture in their imagination, it caused them to laugh. It was ridiculous what he was, Jesus was suggesting here, just like it's ridiculous for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But what Jesus here was saying is that if we don't face up to our own sins and confess them and, and remove them, and then we blind ourselves to ourselves, and we can't see clearly enough to help others. So verse 3 here is speaking of a failure to notice rather than deliberate deception. We, don't ha- we have a tendency not to see our own error. We can sure see it in others, So Jesus is drawing attention to this curious characteristic of a human race. Now there's something else here, and that is the word that Jesus uses of the speck and the log imply that they're made of the same material. They're just different in dimension and shape. And the insight here is that one of the reasons we can spot a certain sin in another person is because it's that sin that we ourselves are wrestling with. The reason I can spot a sin in another person so easily is because that's the one I am dealing with. And then when we see that in other people, it it elicits a strong reaction from deep within us because our untamed behaviors are the ones we most want to condemn in others. John Corson wrote, King David found this to be true. The prophet Nathan came to him and said, David, we have a problem. There's a rich man who has all sorts of sheep. Uh, Someone came to visit him and instead of going out to his own herds and taking one of his own lambs, this rich man went to his neighbor who was very poor, grabbed his neighbor's one and only lamb and killed it to serve his guest. Outraged, King David said, what? The man who has done this thing shall surely die. Now the Old Testament law never prescribed death as the penalty for this kind of transgression, yet... With blood vessels bursting and finger pointing, David said, Kill him. Then Nathan said, David, thou art the man. It's you. You have many wives and concubines, yet you stole your wife Bathsheba and you took her into your house. Thou art the man. So, why was David so eager to mete out excessive judgment? Because we're always harshest with sin in others that also lurks within our own hearts. The words of John Corson. You ever been with somebody that's always pointing out a certain sin in other people? I've been with men, that man's lusting, that man's looking for women. Why do you think they have such a preoccupation with that particular sin? It's because that's what they themselves are dealing with. Now if you take this analogy a bit further, we're talking about wood, but there are different kinds of wood. Acacia and pine and redwood and so forth. There's sin, but there's different kinds of sin. Alcoholism, drug addictions and so forth. And one pastor said at one time, God can take your misery and turn it into your ministry. God takes our misery and turns it into our ministry. And when you are able to remove a log from your own eye, you're in a much better position to help someone who's dealing with a speck in theirs. I mean, who is better equipped to help someone remove the speck of alcoholism, for instance, than someone who's removed a log of alcoholism from their own life? Some have suggested that this passage means that we shouldn't ever correct anyone, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We must not overlook the point that the speck needs to be removed. James wrote, My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The apostle Paul wrote, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Now the word restore in the original language was used in antiquity to to describe the setting of a broken bone that needed to be done gently. And Jesus here chose to talk about the eye. And we need to exercise gentleness when we try to help someone because if we're not gentle in trying to take the speck out of someone's eye, we can do more damage to the eye than the speck does. We need to use gentleness and love. Really, what he's pointing us to here is our need to love, to love one another. And the reason is simply this, that we, when we are filled with love, we're going to be disinterested in going around trying to find specks in other people's eyes. A judgmental, critical spirit displaces love. When a disciple has developed a critical condemning attitude that forces love out of their relationships with others. And Jesus has called his disciples to love and and to give what is good to others. And if we don't have that kind of love but instead a judgmental, vindictive condemnation in our heart we demonstrate that we've never really known God's mercy and forgiveness and love. The Apostle John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. God. In other words, if we fall into a pattern of judgmentalism to others, it shows that we may not truly be members of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So again, we ought to follow the example of Christ. Dr. H.A. Ironside wrote, when our hearts are occupied with his wondrous love, we remember that he loved us when we were unlovely. And some of us are not very lovely now. And we remember that he loved us when we were unlovable, and some of us are not very lovable yet. If He could do that when we were rebellious, and if that same love is now shed abroad in our hearts, we ought to be able to love those who are sinful and unkind and selfish.
0: And with that, we wrap up another portion of a message from Pastor Leighton Sheely as he takes us through the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. And we'll pick up right there when we come back on the next edition of Verse by Verse. This is a broadcast ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. They're on the web at highlands.us. You can join with us as a financial partner, an outreach partner. When you go to that website, you can give safely at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Join us tomorrow if you can when we'll continue and study verse by verse.